What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Turn the Jets Live. I'm your host, Stephen Zance, joined by my co-host, Stephen Russo. We have a very, very special guest, TOJ family, Mr. D.A. Osario. What's up, D.A.? How you doing? Great to have you here. No, man. Thank you guys for, for having me on. I was telling Joe uh, earlier as we were, you know, kind of gearing up to prep for the upcoming year, right? That like, if you had told me nine years ago when I first joined DOJ that we would have a live show um, and that it would be hosted by two kick-ass dudes, you know what I'm saying? Like, I would not have believed it. I'd be like, yo, no way. There's just no way. Um, so I'm super psyched to join you guys. I'm super psyched to rock with you guys. Um, and this is going to be fun. We're going to talk about a lot of good stuff. So I'm ready. Yeah. Thanks, DA. I really appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, it's great. It's uh, we're, we're extremely happy to have you on. But what, like you say, man, it's even from when I started following Joe on Twitter at that point, just to see what it's grown into. It's uh, it's amazing. So we're extremely happy to do this and, uh, and and we'll get kicked off here. So, Dalvin, let me ask you. First thing I'd like to uh, to start with is uh, Nate Burleson on Good Morning Football. So the Jets should expect to get double digit wins this year. So let's kick it off with that. What are your thoughts there? <laughs> so so everybody, it's everybody. At TOJ, I'll tell you that I'm the resident optimist, right? Uh, but even I think double-digit wins is a bit of a stretch. Um, I think that – so every team that has – every team – every year for the last five years, we've seen a team go from last place to first place every year, every year, right? Um, and I think that this year will be no different. But I don't think that's us necessarily. <laughs> However, folks got to remember, like, this is this is the first year of Robert Sala, right? First year in a new in a new scheme with a rookie quarterback. Right. An offensive line that is that has, you know, a new right tackle, has a new left guard, potentially a new right guard. So you're talking about 60 percent of the O-line may be new. Um, you have three new receivers that are expected to get at least, you know, 40, 50, 60 targets each. Right. And Corey Davis and Elijah Moore and Keelan Cole. And then you have a defense, a secondary that's not very good. Right. It's a secondary that is unproven. They're young. Uh, you may not have Marcus May. Right. You know, he may get shipped out midway through the year. Um, so I think that this is a team that's going to be competitive. I do not think that this is going to be a team that gets the breaks beaten off of them every week. But you're talking about 10 wins in, in an AFC that you have Cleveland. Right. Who was really, really good last year. Baltimore was at a pretty good offseason and is really, really good this year. Buffalo still the prohibitive favorite in that division. Miami will probably take a step back, but Miami still on paper is a little bit better than us right now. Right. Um, and then you have the Chargers with Herbert. You still have Kansas City, Denver, if they trade for Rodgers. It's, it's a really tough conference to really break through that first year. But I think the Jets are going to be competitive in every game. I do not think they're going to get blown out. So. I get what Nate Burleson is saying, and I cannot wait for the LOL Jets narrative to die, right? I cannot wait for that to die, uh, but I think we're a year away from that dying fully, but I think I think we're on the, we're on the road, Matt. Steven? Yeah. yeah, he brought up a lot of good points. I mean, he's definitely, I would say, like he mentioned, definitely optimistic guy mm -hmm. of in the room for TOJ. Mm -hmm. I tend to be more in the middle, um, yeah. but I also think a little bit of a stretch and it, I think where his point is to not have low expectations yeah. and not set a low standard for the football team, which I totally get that. And I think that's the way you got to approach it. I mean, every team going into every season, no matter how bad the roster is, like let's look at the Texans, their expectation is they think they can win the Super Bowl. So you don't right. want to have that loser mentality that we had with Adam Gaze. So I, I get where this is coming from, but I think 10 wins is definitely a stretch. I mean, like, like Dalvin said, you know, the secondary is terrible. I, I just don't really see how we're going to stop quarterbacks. I mean, look, if we get a pass rush, maybe I'm wrong. And I'm expecting us to have a pass rush. But to what level that pass rush is, I don't know yet. And we need to see how this system really works out. Offensively, you know, rookie quarterback, you have no idea what you're going to get. I mean, the assumption is, you know, 
we think that it's going to be a much better offense. I I'm confident to say that the offense will score more points than last year. You know, we'll have 300 yard passing days, you know, we'll probably have hundred yard rushers and stuff like that. I don't know how often, but it's going to happen. I just think, you know, the scheme is more designed to the modern NFL. The players and personnel are much better. The offensive line, which has been really the Achilles heel of the team for the last two years is significantly better. The only really question we have right now is right guard with Van Roten, but maybe Cam Clark wins the job and maybe he's an upgrade. We don't know yet, but you know, I think, you know, what we've been talking about on the show and I know Connor and Joe have been talking about this specifically today, you know, the six and a half, you know, over under, I think is really where they net out. I think anywhere between five and eight is realistic. And I, and I kind of expect that. And I think, Anything under five is a disappointment. I know we can look at four wins and yeah, we doubled our win total last year, but I don't want to have those types of expectations. I think that we could be better. And I think Salah is going to instill this culture and this mentality, like Dalvin said, and, you know, we're gonna be a tough team to play. Even if we don't win, teams aren't going to just win 30 to nothing and the game be over in the second quarter. Like they may win in the last second of field goal and be really lucky to get them at live stadium. So I'm excited, you know, I think 10 wins is definitely a lot to ask of a, a new team, especially with a rookie coach, a rookie quarterback, and then rookie offensive and defensive coordinators. So Brent Poor is the only coordinator who actually has experience being coordinator. So you got to take that for what it is. Steven, yeah, lay, it, mean, lay it on us. <laughs> well, and, and before, and before you go to Russo, I'm gonna say, I will say this. I think, too, like what you, what you have to factor in, right, is that, again, you don't want to be mathematically eliminated by Halloween, right? Yes. Uh, draft mm-hmm. season returns in October. And what I've told James and Meigs and, 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 and Joe is that I do not want to be talking about anything like, oh, we're picking third and, you know, we're in the KV on Thibodeau sweepstakes. Or or right, right. Or Derek Stingley, you know, was a beast, right? I don't want to have to be having those conversations by Halloween, right? Uh, you know, and, and Russo, we've talked about this before, right? Like, our wives keep us sane, right? My wife does not want to see me upset by Halloween. Like, let's get let's get through Thanksgiving, right? You know, if it happens in December, it's fine because Christmas will brighten me up. But I do not want to be miserable come by Halloween, man. And I think I think that's what we're talking about. Like, you're going to see a team that's going to compete every down. That's not going to give away plays. You're going to have mistakes, of course. It's a young team, but it's going to be a team that competes. Definitely. So yeah, I uh, I agree. So Dalvin. Um, you as the resident TOJ optimist, I can I can definitely agree with that because I feed off that optimism and I, and I, I do I like it. Um, yeah, you're optimistic but, too. I would agree. Yes, I, I'm I'm, yeah. I'm there. Um, I feed off of that too, though. I will tell you that because like there were times last year, and you know this, man, in our, in our Slack chat, whenever something would go wrong, it'd be like, oh my god, this guy is falling, yeah. and I'm like, listen, man, like we and you know what? Maybe it's because of our nature that we've been Jet fans for so long. We know when the sky is falling. Last oh, year yeah. was not that. Yeah, it's exactly. Like, it's like the opposite of knowing what a franchise quarterback is. Yes. We know when it's bad, we know but we not. don't know when it's good. <laughs> yeah. right. Sorry, Stephen. We got to let no, you know. No, that's this. okay. So I think, yeah, I think we can all understand the point that Nate Burleson was trying to make is that this team should expect to get the double digit wins. No one go, no one should be going into the season and say, hey, listen, we just want to be competitive. If we get to six or seven wins, that's fine. What I do think, though, is I can honestly see a realistic path where this team can get to 10 wins. Is it going to be easy? No. Do they have to have a lot of rolls of their dice go their way? Yes. But if you take a step back and you actually look on the first episode we ever hosted here, when we ran through with, with the schedule release, this isn't it's a it's a last place schedule. And the the list of quarterbacks they play are not daunting. So if you also look at this with the rest of the division, Pats are still nothing to write home about. The Dolphins could very easily take a step back and same with the, the bills. I'm not saying the bills are going to regress back to a nine and 18, but to be 13 and three or 13 and four again, that's going to be hard to do. 
So when you couple that with the improvements that the Jets have honestly made across the board, I could see a path to where they get hot, they take advantage of a softer schedule, they maybe make it to nine or 10 wins, and they're looking at a seven, you know, at the seventh seed. It's never been easier to make the playoffs now than it is going to be in 2021. So those are things that go in their favor. I'm not saying it's going to happen. I'm saying that I could see a scenario where it does. So the, if you talk about the improvements, you know, yep. Uh, let's talk about Vera Tucker over the guard play last season. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about Corey, uh, Corey Davis over Brashad Perry. Let's talk about the addition of Elijah Moore in there. I think we can honestly say as, as realistic as we want to be that Zach Wilson is going to be an upgrade over Sam Darnold. And then you Absolutely. take in the coaching staff and what that means. So, I mean, even as bad as the Jets were last year, two and 14, they were still a stone's throw away from five and 11. So even if the Jets are hovering around that six or seven mark, like we think now, well, maybe a couple of things go their way. A couple, you know, things fall in place for them. They get to nine or 10. Yeah. Do I expect it? I'm probably in that, you know, seven and nine range, but I could definitely see a path where, you know, things fall in their favor and it could be a double digit win team. Steven. Yeah. I, oh, wait, yeah. I think, well, I was going to say, no, I was gonna, I think, I think you're right. I mean, every year we see either somebody gets hurt, right. Every year, every mm-hmm. year, um, a team that you expect to take a step forward doesn't right like who would have told you seven months ago that the texans would be where they were right where they are right now right like they were they were talking about competing with deshaun watson not wasting his prime and now look like they're talking about listen man we're gonna be picking first overall right um you look at you look around the afc you look at you look at a team like the colts right they're banking on carson wentz being the good carson wentz not the bad carson wentz that we've seen last year i do agree with you steven i do agree with you that uh I think Zach Wilson wins offensive rookie of the year. I think, I think he's going to play that well. Um, and I think, I think clear as day, he's going to be an upgrade over Sam Donald clear as day, mm-hmm. clear as day. Because I think, I think folks, I think a lot of folks, because Sam Donald's a nice guy, don't realize just how bad he was last year. Like he, he was yeah. not a good quarterback at all. He was the worst quarterback in the league last year. And we get to play him week one, right? Fresh out the gate behind a bad offensive line, right? That Carl Lawson and Quinton Williams and Vinnie Curry and Sheldon Rankin should feast off of. Right. It's so I, I agree with you. I think that there, I think that if you, get to December right if you get to December final five weeks and you are you know you have six wins at that point eight wins is realistic there right and yep. that's a huge stepping so you know I said this earlier because Joe was having some fun with some Fitzpatrick fans I know we'll talk about them later but there's a difference in going eight and nine with a rookie quarterback and going eight and nine with a journeyman like a Fitzpatrick or a, or a quarterback you're not sold on like a Sam Darnold if the Jets go eight and nine with Zach Wilson now you're set up to where Maybe you don't make the playoffs because of the tiebreakers or whatever the case may be, right? But then next year, right, with the, with all the picks you got and all the cash space, you now have something to build on, and now you're the team that takes that next step. Mm-hmm. So I'm with you. I, I think it's going to be a fun year, though. That's that's what I will say, I, I, and I say that to Jets fans all the time. I think it's going to be a fun year. I do not Enjoy think it's going to be a year where you're drunk by one thirty in the afternoon on Sunday. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> well, and um, you know what? The other thing is, you talk about improvements. You know, I I mentioned the ones that on the on the excuse me, on the offensive side of the ball. But if you look on the defense, they've definitely strengthened the strength in the defensive line. And as bad as we make fun of or, or poke fun at the uh, the secondary, it's still an improvement from last year. And, you know, the additional Marcus Joyner, uh, Bryce Hall with another year under his belt, hopefully bless Austin can, you know, finally take a step. Those are improvements in a solid defense. So I think, you know, the, the writing is there for this to actually happen. Um, it's going to take a lot of things going in their favor to make it happen, but I still think it, there's, there's definitely a possibility where it could, whereas last year was a lost cause after, you know, the second quarter in Buffalo. And the biggest thing I think defensively is you get C.J. Mosley back, right? Like folks forget that C.J. Mosley was at worst when we signed him the third best inside linebacker in football. 
at right. worst, at worst, right? <laughs> and he was the best player on the field versus Buffalo before they the were week. talking about this on TV yeah. the other day. <laughs> yeah, like, like he was the guy, right? And yeah. so now you get him back a year of rest, his body not getting beaten up, right? In a system that caters to linebackers, in a system that lets linebackers just play freely and behind a front four that is just absolutely like, I mean, you're talking about from Lawson to Curry to Rankins to Q, that is by far. I mean, again, I can't think of a scarier front four, not in the AFC East. I think, I think, I think by far the Jets have the best front four in the AFC East. And I would have to sit here and, and actually look to see, like, okay, well, you know, like Denver still has, you know, Pittsburgh would be the one. But the, but other than that, like, if you, if you remove Pittsburgh, who else are you making the argument for? Cleveland, right? maybe. Cleveland, Cleveland too. with Miles yeah. Garrett, right? And, and so, but you're talking about, a year ago, you couldn't say that. A year ago, there's no way that you could have said the Jets have a top five defensive line unit in, in the mm-hmm. league, right? And, to, and Stephen, you said this in episode two. You said this in episode two. Um, the best cure for a poor secondary is the pass rushes, the guys that can get to the mm-hmm. quarterbacks, right? So if we have guys that are constantly causing pressures, right, then those errant throws that Sam Darnold is known to throw up or that Drew Locke will throw up or that Cam Newton had a – he showed last year no arm strength was throwing them up too, right? <laughs> and those those are the balls that are thrown up and then suddenly Marcus Mays picking them off. LaMarcus Joyner, who you mentioned, Stephen, again, LaMarcus Joyner is much better at free safety than he was in slot corner where the Raiders played him. So now you're playing him in his natural mm-hmm. position and you get Ashton Davis who – Again, another year under his belt. The, the, the safeties, I think, are intriguing because they can cover up for a lot of these issues that you're going to see with the corners because, again, they're going to struggle. Cornerback is by far, in my opinion, the toughest position aside from quarterback to transition to from college to the, to mm-hmm. the pros. The toughest Definitely. Position. You're going to see some struggles. Yeah. No, so I just want to get two more points across, yeah, I think, yeah, to kind yeah. of echo some of Steven's points so we can tra- transition topics. So another thing when you talk about Buffalo with like regression, one of the things about Buffalo, there's, I still think they're going to win the division, no doubt, but they had an amazing injury luck. They basically had 2015 Jets injury luck. Who yes. was hurt on their team? And that's why they went 13-3. and three. I still think they're going to win double-digit games and win the division pretty easily. I, don't, I think Miami may challenge them. I don't think New England will. And the other thing that works out in the Jets' favor is – all the guys that were drafted last year, they're going to have a real – they had a real offseason program and they're going to have a real training camp. Yeah, that really matters. Like Denzel Mims literally – the first time he got NFL action was like week eight of the season <laughs> when he actually like practiced and played. He had right. no training camp. He didn't have a real offseason. So I think those things are things you got to think about like if you're going to be a little more optimistic. So we did – we went a lot on this, and I, I love it. But um, I want to transition to something that, you know, a lot of Jeff fans, specifically on Jets Twitter, are a little bit concerned about. It's the unsigned rookies of Elijah Moore. I mean, um, Elijah Moore. I was going to say Vera Tucker and Zach Wilson. Thankfully, AVT signed this week. I'm on the. I've been on the record to say I think that the other rookies will be signed by the end of the weekend. Obviously, what do I know? I'm not talking about the building. It's just I think that it'll be all done and taken care of, just like Darnold was right before practice. So they're there, and there's no issues with this. Dalvin, what do you think about this? So I think. It's a testament to what Joe Douglas and Robert Sala have done that Jets Twitter is not freaking out about this, <laughs> right? Uh, that's yeah. unexpected. That's not something that I'm used to. Uh, I'm used to them freaking out over everything. Um, but but I, I also, I think that there's always conversations whenever these negotiations are happening about offset language and things mm-hmm. like that. This is not abnormal. It's not abnormal. And, and I also think that I, I would be worried if Zach Wilson missed like a week. 
Yes. Right? I would be worried. Very worried. Like a week. Because because I think one, then you got to have the conversation of like, well, how much are we going to put on your plate when we play that first preseason game? And Steven, to your point, because you make a really good one, uh, Denzel Mims didn't have an offseason. Makai Becton got to stay in Louisiana and eat, you know, his mom's soul food co- cooking, which again, the restaurant, I've heard the food is delicious, right? But again, that's all he did, right? So this year, he's also had a good offseason, right? Like in terms of just, yes. I mean, you've seen Duke Mayweather sharing the videos. He is just absolutely getting jacked, right? So yeah, it looks great. He looks great, right? But with the rookies, Zach Wilson was there for, for a voluntary camp. So was Elijah Moore. They were able to get their playbooks. They were able to spend a lot of time together, right? Um, spending a lot of time at Islander games, which was yes. great, right? Which is great for camaraderie. It. So I'm I'm not overly worried. I'd be worried if it bleeds into like, you know, if we're talking mm-hmm. about July 31st, they haven't shown up yet or something like that, right? It's yes. just about eight days at that point. Um, but with Zach Wilson, I want him to get all the reps that he can. Um, I, because I want him to be ready. Um, but I also think the, here's the, the kicker though. I think Zach Wilson's going to be better prepared to start week one because he's going to get to go up against Robert Sala's defense every day. Mm-hmm. And the more reps he gets against Robert Sala's defense, the more I'm like, you know what? Matt rules defense. You're not going to do anything to him. You're not going to, you're not going to, you're not going to scare Baylor him. Baylor defense. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're not going to, it's, 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 it's a sieve, right? Like it's literally you opening faucets and stuff. So I'm not overly worried, but if we get to July 31st and they're not signed, I think we will, but I, I agree with you. I think they'll be signed by tomorrow. Um, and then they'll be there on the 23rd. Yeah, I think they'll be signed by tomorrow. I'm not I'm not overly worried. It's just it's always the offset language. It's always that. Yeah. We yeah. saw it with Arnold, we saw it with Baker, right? We saw it with a lot of the quarterbacks. It's always that. Yeah. Zach's getting a fully guaranteed contract. I don't yeah. it's not about the money. He's getting <laughs> right. about 30 million dollars yeah. coming his way, probably right. 15 of 15 of which is up front. So I agree. I think it'll be done by the end of the weekend before the vets come in. Steven, what do you think? Any concerns? Yeah. You feel okay about it? You know, I'm fully I'm fully panicked right now because, you know, obviously Sam Darnold is in Carolina because he missed those first four days of camp back in 2018. No, it's, we don't, yeah, we don't panic until it's time to panic. Um, I don't, I think, you know, what mildly concerns me is that it's, it's Wilson and Moore who are obviously are going to be two uh, integral parts of the offense in a new offense, ton of new players, new coaching staff, all that, but no, I'm not, I mean, this stuff will work itself out. These, these contracts are slotted if there's little minute details that'll come in. And usually these it's, it's the teams that kind of always have this problem. I know the jets obviously been mentioned before with, you know, they had this issue with Sam Darnold. You see the charters all the time with offset language, this stuff will work itself out. Like DA said, if it gets to, you know, next week, later next week, some point, you know, then we'll start to, to hit the panic button a little bit, but at this point, no, it'll get done. Yeah. It's, you know, it is what it is. It's, it's the first contract, you know, they're trying to be careful with all the language and, I've heard Wilson has a pretty tough agent. I forgot which guy it is. So, you know, he wants to make sure that his client's getting the best deal. Sure. Do you blame him? No, because his his job's on the line if, you know, he messes something up with the contracts. So I get why the agent's being playing hardball, but it's not about money. It's just about, you know, like you said, offset language. So, like yeah. I said, I think this gets done. I think it'll be done before the actual vets show up to camp. I mean, Zach's at camp, so it's not like, you know, he's just not showing up. It's right. like... He wants to practice. He wants to be ready. His, he wants to live his dream of being in the NFL. I don't think that this is going to linger. He's scared. not in. He's not in a club getting mono guys. Like he's not doing that. So we've already <laughs> on last on the last quarterback. He's not allowed <laughs> to go to bounce. That's not allowed to go to bounce. That is off limits. That is off limits. <laughs> Poor Sam, man. Oh, Body's man. not even cold yet, and we're making fun of him so much. Throwing um, dirt already. Throwing dirt already. <laughs> uh, so listen, uh, let's transition transition yeah. a little. Excuse me. Um, so, D.A., if I were to ask you, uh, especially with camp right around the corner, if there's one under the radar player that you say is prime for a big year in green, uh, what would you say? Who would you say? Chris earned it, man. Chris earned it. The hive. Chris earned it. And, I, and, and you know what? Like, I, 
I have learned over the over, over the entire time that I've been doing this. So I'll tell you this. So when I first joined TOJ, uh, I had I remember it was like maybe my second draft or whatever, and I had Laquan Treadwell as like my number one receiver, right? Like I, I love Laquan. I thought he was a beast, right? And then no, it has not panned out at all, right? <laughs> it's not panned out at all. But there was there was something about like the way that folks would be so quick to give up on some of these young guys. Right. Like like after a year, they're like, oh, no, 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 that's it. It's over. Right. And with Laquan, it did turn out like it was over. But I've seen that with guys like Curtis Samuel. Right. Who maybe struggle a little bit out of the gate and then they start to find their niche. Right. You saw it with Corey Davis for a long time. Right. And I said this to Connor earlier, the Corey Davis signing in particular feels like one of those feels like when the Giants stole plaques from Pittsburgh. Right. And plaques had been he hadn't really gone over a thousand. He had been like a 60 catch guy. And then suddenly Mm -hmm. he exploded into this number one receiver right and probably extended Eli's career a little bit right like he probably did that I think Corey I think signing Corey Davis is one of those kind of moves right I think Chris Herndon's a guy that one there are not many good tight ends in this league this is not a tight end friendly league you know uh, Zance and I talk about basketball all the time right the NBA is not a big man league right now right the NFL is you have the top tier tight ends right and then a bunch of guys that are kind of just interchangeable right it's just a bunch of guys that are I think Herndon has the potential to be one of the one of the better tight ends in this league. I think one, and this doesn't get talked about enough, right? These ki- these kids, because they're still kids, played in the middle of a pandemic, away from their family, couldn't see their families, all that stuff. He looked absolutely disinterested for the first like twelve weeks of the year, just mm-hmm. absolutely out of it. The dropping last balls. month, yeah. right, right, dropping balls, lack of focus, all of that. The last month. He looked like the Chris Herndon uh, from the from his rookie year, right? And so I think I think one with better receivers around him, with a better O line protecting his quarterback, and he's going to be the one that gets the favorable matchups because nobody's going to expect him the ball, right? Yeah. He doesn't have anybody yeah. behind him. They signed Tyler Croft, which again I think every team needs a designated white tight end, and Tyler Croft fits that role. <laughs> but he's not the guy that's going to take the snaps from Chris Herndon. He's not going to be that guy, right? <laughs> and then you have you know angels and demons, Dan Brown. He's not going to do it either, right? So I think it's Herndon, and I think him and I think him and Zach are going to develop a really nice rapport because he's going to be open a lot because. If you single up with Corey Davis, say Corey Davis is the guy you single up. Okay. Corey Davis runs well enough routes that he can beat one-on-one coverage. Okay. So you're going to single up on Elijah Moore. Elijah Moore will beat you one-on-one coverage, right? So at some point you're going to see, you're going to see defensive coordinators start to roll coverage to some of these guys, right? You're going to have Mims singled up on the outside, which I think is a mistake, right? Because Mims is the bigger receiver, right? And he can win those jump balls as Zach will throw. But Herndon's the guy in the middle of the field that mm-hmm. if Zach gets time, Herndon's going to get those opportunities, right? And yeah. so I, and, and, and in this offense, we've talked about this offense as how, what it does for running backs, right? Let's talk about what it does for tight ends too, right? George Kittle is the, is, if he's not the best tight end in football, he's the second best tight end in football, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. But George Kittle was a guy that was taken in the fifth round and they were like, oh, you know, he might just be a really good blocker, right? <laughs> and then the Niners said, you know what? We're going to unleash him in the, in, the, in the slot. We're going to line him up out wide. We're going to try to get him the ball as much as we can. I think we see a little bit of that with Chris Herndon. And I think they signed Croft to be the primary blocker because while Herndon mm-hmm. is a good blocker, Croft is a better blocker. And you want to be able to go to like these tight end sets where you're running out of them, right? Maybe you put Herndon in the slot and Croft at the inline tight end. So you're running out of those formations, but it's Herndon, man. If I had to put money today, they asked Joe and Connor on Badlands. They were like, if you could put your career on, who's the guy that's going to blow up? If I could, put, if I had to put my social work career on the line, it would be for Chris <laughs> Herndon, guys. It would be for wow. Chris Herndon. I think Chris Herndon is going to have a really good year. I think that him and Zach are going to are just going to gel right away. And he's going to be the guy. I think he's motivated, man. And, and if you notice, the Jets improved every position, every position at the offense, except tight end. 
Tight end was the one that they did not. They did. They added Kenny Yoba, who I love, you know, who I really, really like. But I also think it's really hard for a UDFA tight end to come in and contribute. So I think it's Herndon. Herndon would be the guy. What about you guys? Because I know, I know, Zance, you've talked a lot, you know, and we're all buying stock in Michael Carter. We're all buying stock in Michael Carter. But you've also said, I think you said this, you and Russo both said this a little while ago, a couple weeks ago, that Denzel Mims feels like the guy that's kind of forgotten a little bit, right? Mm -hmm. Like we talk about all these receivers, but Mims (laughs) is the guy. Mims is the guy, I think. So is that who, is that who, if you had to stake your luxurious career on, is Mims the guy that you would, you would bank it on? (laughs) So that, so I'm going to be a little more tempered with my expectations. I'm not going to bet my career on this, but I think it's (laughs) someone people are sleeping on, but it's not Mims. I mean, I I feel good about him, but I don't think people are sleeping on him. I think there's expectations for him to do something, you know, because he has the talent. He showed some flashes. I actually think it's Tevin Coleman, and I'll tell you why. So a couple weeks back, myself, Joe, Will did uh, Twitter spaces, and we actually got DJ from the Daily News to come on. And he basically was saying, you know, Tevin Coleman's looked really good. He's looked really explosive, and don't sleep on him. And you know what? I kind of see a path for him to really lead the team in rushing Unless, you know, he gets hurt or whatever. Michael Carter is really just that good, which I do expect him to be very good. But at the end of the day, when, when it comes to this, coaches trust veterans. I, Adam Gase literally lived with Frank Gore forever. And I, I think that a first-time offensive coordinator is going to be like, I know Tevin Coleman. He's ran my offense before, whereas Ty Johnson, Josh Adams, P. Ryan, they don't know anything about this offense. It's the first time they're in it. So I see a scenario where, you know, we're in September, we're in Carolina, the first carry of the season goes to Tevin Coleman. And, you know, he gets maybe like 12 to 13 carries. And then Carter's going to get some. And then the other guys will get split. So I think he just has the talent. You know, he was part of those that really good Falcons team that unfortunately blew a 28-3 lead. Sorry <laughs> if any Falcon, Falcon fans were watching. But I always have thought he has that, you know, big play potential. He's like a home run hitter. He can catch, you know, which is important in this NFL, especially with a rookie quarterback when he's in trouble and he's just dumped the ball off. I think that Coleman is really going to surprise some people. I know the biggest issue with him has been health. So obviously if he's not available, this is not a good point, but I think, you know, he was hurt last year. I'm sure he's really trying to prove something. He basically took a minimum minimum contract for a veteran and he's only, I think 28. So he still has some juice left, you know, not everyone's Adrian Peterson who could run till they're like 37. He still wants to keep playing, which is insane. I mean, he's, he's a legend and a freak, but I think Tevin's going to surprise people. I think he's going to be productive. I think, He's going to maybe warrant either the Jets giving him, you know, maybe a two-year contract or another team in free agency giving him a contract. So I'm excited to see what he can do. I'm not going to bet my career on it, but I think people are sleeping on him a little bit, and I think we should take a little more notice of him. That's all I'm saying. What do you think, Russo? I think uh, both good points by you guys, honestly. I like both of them. Um, Dalbin stake firmly planted in the Herndon Hive. I like it. Yeah. Honestly, it's, it's let me go back to your point though on on the one position that they didn't really look to upgrade in the that's a very good point and one honestly mm-hmm. I hadn't thought of I agree with that now. um so obviously you know Joe Douglas and this coaching staff see something and see yeah. something in Herndon uh that they like where they chose not to go out and you know get someone or draft a tight end or you know whatever um but honestly I'm gonna go uh on the other side of the ball I'm gonna say Ashton Davis uh I really mm. think that uh, a lot of people kind of overlook his rookie year. Uh, not that he let the world on fire, but we look at that one time where he got burnt by Tyree Kill. It's like everybody and their mother gets burnt by Tyree Kill. So let's not. That's normal. Know. That's like a day. This is a day in the office for everybody. <laughs> exactly. But here's the, the reason why I think it's Ashton Davis. I think you look at his career at, uh, at Cal. He walked on. He learned the game of football. Obviously, his rookie year in a 2-14 and 14 team is going to be a learning experience for him. But when you look at, and the guy I brought up earlier, LaMarcus Joyner, I think he's going to solidify that safety spot across from Marcus May. I think Ashton Davis has a chance to be like a Swiss army knife in the solid defense. When you look at a week's a week uh, uh, corner group, 
Ashton Davis has the ability. He played some nickel in college. I think he's got the versatility. I think with a year under his belt, man, he could, you know, he could do some really good things in this defense. So I see, I see a pretty big year out of Ashton Davis. And I don't know if a lot of people are talking about him right now. And I love, I love Ashton, right? I had Ashton in my top 32 uh, for, for the draft. I, he essentially played the Jamal. Yeah. He essentially played the Jamal Adams rookie year role, right? Like he was around the line. Um, and again, I, I agree with you, right? Like how many, listen, man, I don't think there's any cornerback in this league that can keep up with Tariq Hill, like no, in a foot. No, no, I, just, no. <laughs> I just do not think that it's possible. And you put a freak athlete like Ashton Davis, who again, he is, he's, he's an athlete, right? But you also put him singled up, literally just him and Tariq yeah. Hill with Tariq Hill running a straight line as Pat mm-hmm. Mahomes was throwing him the ball like that. That's like, if I like, and you guys know I'm a Mavs fan. That's like, if I asked Jalen Brunson to guard a Steph Curry, Clay Thompson pick and roll, like that's what that feels like to me. Like, hey. I feel like I can't be mad at the end result. No Jalen <laughs> Brunson slander will be allowed here. I think Jalen <laughs> could defend. Let's, let's chill with that. But I don't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, just, it's just not a good look. It's just not a good look at all. Um, but I, I, I think, you know, I, I love your point about Tevin Coleman. Cause I think one, him as the, as the spell back in Atlanta for free, and I thought he played really well in that role. I love the mention of Ashton Davis, though, because I think you're going to see the Jets. Then there's a lot of talk about like what kind of defense you're going to see them run, right? I think you're going to see a lot of like four, two, five looks, right? Maybe four, one, six looks, right? Where you're essentially putting CJ Mosley as the middle linebacker, the only linebacker on the on, on the field, right? And mm-hmm. you're trusting Mosley and these and this front four to get to the quarterback, right? And then you're you're gonna blanket you know with zone coverage right. So now Ashton Davis is essentially covering that nickel area right. Then mm-hmm. you're using May and Joyner to cover the two deep the the two deep zones right. And then you're trusting that your young guys because here's the thing, no cornerback in this league right now can hold any receiver for more than four seconds. That's all you get right because again quarterbacks are getting the ball out quicker right. Mm-hmm. Um, the way that you can't the, touch you can't, can't touch, touch him right the, right the way that the way the league is called you can't touch him anymore right. So you're just asking Bryce Hall and. I think they'll sign Brodney Poole before before camp before camp breaks. I think Brodney Poole will be back. Right? Brian Poole. Brian Poole. Sorry, Brian. Yeah, yeah. So I think Brian Poole will be back. Not Brodney, because Brodney's a throwback. I, I think I think I think I think I think Poole will be back. And then it's whoever comes out of that other the other cornerback spot, right? Whether it's yeah. Knock or Nichols or the other Michael Carter or whatever. But all you're asking them to do is hold up enough. For Q and Carl and Sheldon and Curry and John Franklin Myers to get to these quarterbacks. That's all you're asking, right? And it's mm-hmm. not even about sacks so much as it's how, how can we disrupt your rhythm, right? Because, yeah. again, a lot of these quarterbacks, it's three-step drops and I'm getting the ball out and I'm trusting my receivers to go make plays, right? Even the Chiefs, they get the ball to Tariq Hill in space and he's gone, right? Like, that's really – you're not catching him at that point, right? So you want to see you want to see guys that are able to hold up that long. And Ashton Davis, I think he can do that. Ashton Davis can cover a zone for the life of him, and I think he's athletic enough to move mm-hmm. side to side from field from end to end so i i like that pick and i'm i'm hoping to cash in my ashton davis points yeah. this year <laughs> i think ashton could end up playing like that swiss swiss army knife hybrid linebacker safety role yeah. the kind of role that you know um buda baker's played and a couple other guys have played in the nfl so i could see that if they want to put joiner in the back and then have him kind of rotating since our linebackers stink so I, i'm excited to see that but Dalvin, the funniest thing is one of the guys who's watching Victor Rosario, shout out to you. He commented, today would be a great day to sign Ryan Poole. So it's kind of funny that we, we brought him up. I didn't know if you saw that. <laughs> Thanks, Victor. It's true. Today's a great day to do that. Like, yeah. because also, like, I think what you want, you want at least one veteran in that room, man. You want at least yeah. one veteran. And and Poole's a guy who was pretty good last year, right? He was pretty good last year. And 
like it's so hard to play slot corner in this league. It's so hard to play slot corner in this it league because sometimes sometimes you're guarding a six foot five Julio Jones, who the Falcons are sticking yep. in the slot. Now the Titans yep. will do that, so it's so hard to do. And he plays the position really well. And Jason Pinnock, Brandon Nichols, and Michael Carter the second, the other Michael Carter. You're, I'm telling you, I do not. There, it is very rare for a for corners to come in and produce anyway, right? Yeah. It's even harder for guys that are taken in days two and three to come in and produce anyway, yep. right? So That's I tough. think you need to get a veteran there, even if it's just to hold down the fort. I know Salah's like, oh, well, I'm worried about the guys that are here. I'm like, yeah, me too, man. I'm very worried about the guys that are here. Yeah. <laughs> Is Buster's um, screen still available? <laughs> <laughs> if you want to bring back Buster, D. Milner, right? Like, like, come on, let's get crazy. Hey, fun fact. D. Milner has more career interceptions than Jamal Adams. I just would like to point that out to everyone who is watching and listening to this show. One you of the funniest about things I saw last week. You it's know true. what I love? You know what I love about Demiller? Demiller in his rookie year locked up Josh Gordon in the game against the Browns. I mean, absolutely oh, yes. locked him up. He did I remember? And everybody was like, "Listen, man, we got you know we got the look at Idzik yeah, getting us the guy that replaced Reed." I think, I think yeah. it was more of a work ethic problem with him than a talent issue. I think had so talent. too. I think yeah, so. And and the injuries. And yeah, by the time he got to the NFL, Saban had broken his body. By the time he yep. got. I That's always been the issue with Alabama players. They're like, have they been maximized because of the way they run that their offensive defense? Um, guys, I want to transition to something that's a little, a little more of like a nuisance to us as Jet fans. You know, a former quarterback, you know, with a big beard who found some ways to choke some gains away for us. You know, decided to you know bash the team, which you know what, honestly, I felt was a little unfair. They ended up giving him a nice contract after that great season, and he basically was saying, you know, Fitz that. In 2016, he was so low. He never felt so low in his career playing for the Jets. And, you know, he like basically was so miserable and wanted to quit football. And I'm thinking to myself, as a Jets fan who watched that season and watched him blow the game in Buffalo, that, you know, if we won that game, who knows what could have happened because the team was actually really talented. But you know what? Like, it's not the team's fault that you threw six interceptions against Kansas City. That was one of the games where my eyes literally bled. That was like Luke Falk against the Patriots and Eagles bad. Like, I like you cannot just say that like that made you want to quit. The team wasn't that terrible. Yes, poorly coached, but there were players. I know Decker got injured, but you still had Marshall. You still had Anunua, who was actually amazing that season. That was like literally when we all fell in love with Anunua. I just I can't listen to that shit. Like, excuse my language, but like, what is wrong with you, Fitz? Like, we paid you. You know, you had a good. You're probably your best season ever with the Jets. Like, let's chill with that, guys. What do you think about this? So yeah, so. I was on the Trapper Dive podcast last week, right? And shout out to Maul and those guys, right? They they they've essentially launched a NFL podcasting on Twitch, which I think is really really cool, right? But I'm laughing because last week they were asking me about Ryan Fitzpatrick because one of the guys on it is a Washington Football Team fan, and so when when you told me we were going to talk about Fitzpatrick, I'm like, yo, I can't escape him. Let me tell you, man, I hated Ryan Fitzpatrick from when he stole money from Buffalo, fifty five million after Chan Gailey got him to go to Pro Bowl, right? I've hated Fitzpatrick since then. I think Fitzpatrick is is a guy who was bad, right? And 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 like he had these spurts, right? Kind of like J.R. Smith, right? Like you had these spurts where you got to think like, oh, there's talent there, right? And you fool yourself into paying him, paying him big money. Yep. The Jets backed themselves into a corner. One of Mike McCagnon's many mistakes. One of yes. Mike McCagnon's many mistakes. Paid Fitzpatrick $12 million, right? Mm-hmm. And then Fitzpatrick felt disrespected that Bowles benched him because he was stinking up the place, right? So like, and in the write-up where he, you know, bashed the Jets or whatever, you know, they write like, oh, he's such a great teammate and always does what's asked of him. No, he's not. Ryan Fitzpatrick is a terrible teammate. He threw his receivers under the bus that year, threw his offensive line under the bus, threw his coach under the bus. And I think 
then you see him leave and you know he goes to Miami has no interest in backing up Tua right he has no interest in Tampa too Tampa is right, right 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 we goes to Tampa then it goes to Miami and no interest in backing up Tua and now he goes to Washington where he's like oh this is the best I've ever felt I've been brought in to be the starter blah blah blah, blah. and it's one of those things where it's like dude like this notion of like you, you know, being the forgotten man, it's, he makes it sound, you know what he makes it sound like? He makes it sound like he's Willie Beeman and, and, and the, and the sharks have just given up on him. That Yeah. And the sharks have just given up on him. That's what he makes it sound like. I hate Ryan Fitzpatrick, man. I hate, I, I hate him, him and Adam Gaze, him and Adam Gaze are by far, by far. The two guys, like Adam Gaze. <laughs> yeah, but, but, but Ryan Fitzpatrick and Adam Gaze, cause there's like, and you guys know this, right? In other sports, I'm sure there's guys like for me, right? I, Oh no, we lost Elvin. <laughs> Sorry, everybody. Oh, <laughs> he's on a rant too. He yeah, he's it. on a good rant, but I know it. Um, this is the first technical difficulty we've had on the show, but it's all good. I, I, I like where Dalvin is going with this. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but basically, yeah, I I agree with Dalvin. It is just it's just a ridiculous thing, and it's yeah, like you, you just you can't do that. Oh, Dalvin, we got you. Is back. he back? We got him back. We got him back. Yeah, no, I was say I was I was agree with you. I think it's terrible. I think it's a terrible thing to say. I think it I think it's a terrible thing to position himself as like the martyr of all disrespected players in this league or whatever it is that he's doing. Yeah. And I think that he is just he is a terrible terrible teammate. He's yeah. a terrible quarterback and I I'm blown away that this continues to happen. That he just continues. Like you, I, I'm a big Breaking Bad fan, right? When when Jesse says he can't keep getting away with it, that's how I feel about Ryan Fitzpatrick. <laughs> what, what a comparison! That's how I, I feel. It. Like I'm Great like, yo, show. come on, man. Enough is enough. There's a reason you've been on ten <laughs> right. teams. He's like, every game is a revenge game. Yeah, because you weren't good enough to be on a team for a long time. I hate to break it's it to you, my friend. Every team has given up on you, and they will continue. Guarantee Taylor Heineke made starts for Washington. I will guarantee that. That's. I'll take it to the bank. That's a safe bet. I for so I'll I'll jump in here. First, I can't not address that I love Dalbin's any given Sunday and breaking bad reference in one rant. I think that's amazing. It was remarkable. But I have to let say. me right. So uh I'll I'm gonna take not not take a different approach, but I, I find myself having a soft spot for Fitz. I, I tend to get forgive him for the last game of 2015 and 2016 because of how fun the whole season of 2015 was. And I felt like he really endeared himself to the, to the Jets, his teammates and to the Jets fan base. So I kind of felt myself having just a soft spot for him. 2016 definitely didn't go as planned. It made me sour on, on him, on that team a lot, but I still, you know, the journeyman that he is, I still found myself kind of, you know, secretly rooting for him in other places, you know, besides really besides Miami, but I hope he finds success in Washington, but this, this is just ridiculous. I can't, come on. You're going to go back to the one instance on the nine teams that you've been on where you got benched because you were playing like shit. And that's bottom line. You threw six interceptions in one game and lost 24 to three. And you're going to, you're going to blame that and make, you know, make you hate football. Give me a break. It really, um, I always, like I said, I always had a soft spot for Fitz, but this definitely knocked him down a peg in my book. Yeah. And he literally had a chance to take us to the playoffs and he blew that game. Yeah. I know Bilal was hurt and we all have like that, you know, revisionist history if Bilal wasn't hurt, they probably win the game because he was so good well, that year. If he but doesn't at the end throw of the day, picks. he yeah. threw like two picks in the red zone, like literally in the back of the end zone that went right into the defensive back's hands. I'm sorry, yeah. like just you cannot use this. Like you've played for so many teams, a million teams have given up on you. I'm sure you've had bad experiences because they wouldn't commit to you long term. Like it's it's absurd. It's just like another LOL Jets thing. I just I just think that people always want to find bones to pick with the Jets, especially now because the Browns are good. They they yeah. need they need a punching bag. I, I understand that. I, I do. But you know what? Make fun of the Texans. You know, they got Jack Easterby running the team and 
God knows what that guy's thinking. We, we don't deserve the same slander now that Gase is gone. I understood when we had Gase, you can make fun of us. We were easy to make fun of. We don't have him anymore. We actually have the anti-Gase. And Joe Douglas is competent. Whether, whether Wilson is good, we don't know yet. But at the end of the day, we have good people running the team right now. So I'm confident in that regard. Yeah, well, and I think the Jets, like the Knicks and the Mets, uh, have been low-hanging fruit for media, yeah. national media and local media for such a long time. It's easy. Right? It's clicks. It's easy. That's what they it, do. It, it's easy. But – you see the Knicks, right? Functional front office, right? They didn't hemorrhage the farm to go get Chris Paul, which is something they probably would have done 10 years ago, right? Uh, they five years ago. Or even five years ago, right? Uh, young nucleus, draft picks, cap space, all that. The Jets are doing the same. And you see the Mets, right? The Mets go and get Francisco Lindor. Any other team goes and get Francisco Lindor. It's talked about like it's this great move. But the Mets did and It's like, man, are you really sure to trade for a guy that's only <laughs> been good? People, I actually disagree with that. I think when that happened, people thought it was a good trade because they didn't really give up a lot. And he's a star player. Mm-hmm. It hasn't looked good because he hasn't played great. Now he's hurt, but like I don't think it was but, negative received. But I get what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. But then even look now, right? Even look now, right? Like now it's like, oh well, look, maybe you shouldn't have given up Andre Jimenez to the Indians, and it's like Andre Jimenez can't even get off the bench in Cleveland. Like, what are we doing? So I think I think it's that. I think it's the easy thing to to critique the Jets the same way the Mets and the Knicks. What's going to happen though, and what I'm curious to see is when the because again the Jets have had a pretty functional offseason, right? Like. Yes. Nobody's been caught with guns in their car. <laughs> like nobody's gone speeding down yeah. the turnpike the wrong way. You know, so I, I it's see who you're throwing shade at, but I won't mention any names. <laughs> <laughs> the OGs know. You know the OGs know. Yeah. The OGs know. So I mean, I mean, of the year, if you remember. Exactly. But I'm interested, <laughs> I'm interested to see what happens now that the Jets are competent. I'm very interested to see yeah, what no, happens. It's it's yeah. good. I'm I'm excited and like yeah. I just felt like Fitz just didn't need to do that. You know, like at the end of the day, if you retire and you want to do that, you're still playing on a team, you know, like teams listen to that stuff. If you're throwing a team under the bus, whether it's warranted or not, that's not the professional move. You just don't do that. You know, if he was 10 years out of the league and he wanted to bash the Jets, so be it. But like, you're still playing and you have the best defense in football. So you better show up, man. Cause right. they're going to, they're going to be misses, It's going to be because of him. It's going to be well, also, but I think to your point, if you've played for so many teams, like at some point you keep throwing teams under the bus, you would have thrown every team <laughs> under the bus. Yeah. He literally threw them on the bus by throwing a million interceptions. That's how exactly. we threw them under the bus. Exactly. So. <laughs> that was some good stuff. Um, I know, you know, there has been a lot going on with the team, but there is something that we wanted to touch on, especially because it's it, something that's really serious. And we wanted to, you know, give a shout out to Greg Knapp's family. I'm sure most of you who are watching the show do obviously know what happened. But if you don't, you know, he got into an accident while he was biking and he's in serious condition. We just wanted to send our you know thoughts and prayers to his family and hope that everything's OK. I know it's pretty serious stuff, but, you know, we just wanted to take a time out there because, you know, this is a Jets show and. We think that, you know, someone who is involved with the team when something like this happens should definitely be recognized. And, you know, we obviously hope that he's going to recover strong and, you know, be back at it with the team as soon as he can. So just wanted to say that as well. Absolutely. Yeah. Any closing thoughts, fellas? Yeah, I mean, well, first off, I, I want to say thank you guys for for having me on. This was this was awesome. Uh, like I said, at, when I, I, I've been at TOJ now actually 10 years, so I joined in 2011. OG. Um, yeah, right. So and and it's funny because like I Joe and I have this running joke where I say what Joe won't say, right? Like Joe, <laughs> Joe, Joe can't say certain things. Because, Polar opposites, literally. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I say what Joe can't because you know, and it's been like that for a while. Like I'm incredibly protective of Joe, and I'm incredibly protective of what we've built, right? Uh, because 
you know, when Connor Cole and I first started, I, I was assigned undrafted free agents. Like that's all I was doing. Right. And then Joe one day asked me if I wanted to be on the TOJ pod. And then after that, it was me, him and Connor doing TOJ pods on Google Hangouts, on Skype, on whatever we could do it on. Right. So now to see 10 years later, man, like to have, you know, to have on pace for um, we have over 750,000 downloads as a group in 49 countries, right? To have a paid podcast that folks pay to listen to, right? Mm -hmm. To have a live show on Wednesdays that again, and I, I've, I've watched all of your episodes and I tell you guys this every morning, the morning after you You guys have great chemistry and you guys are really good people. Right. And I'm always rooting for really, really good people, but I'm also rooting for people that can do this. So that way I don't have to do as much with TOJ anymore. (laughs) Right. Because for a long time, it was Joe Connor and I for a really, really long time, but this is the strongest team that we've had. This is the deepest team that we've had. And very much like the Jets, we're in a good place, right? So honestly, like you guys continue to crush it. Whatever you guys need, you know that I'm here for you guys. But every episode has been great. Um, I thoroughly enjoyed, I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed when you guys had DJ on because I, th- I think I think also like, I think what I like the most about hearing from you guys is, uh, you know, and you t- you mentioned like you guys spoke to him on the spaces, like he he was very real with you guys right yeah. and then and then what you took what he said on the spaces and then shared it with this audience right that yeah. maybe missed the spaces right or maybe didn't get a chance to hear from him right mm-hmm. and and i think there's this there's this synergy that i think works really really well right and i think you guys bring something that's that has been missing right from a lot of the jets content that we see right it's not two and a half hour film breakdowns it's not you know <laughs> plagiarized tweets right it's not any of that it's very much like listen this happened today we're going to talk about it today right and you guys are bringing a perspective that maybe none of us have had so you guys have done a really really great job i've enjoyed every episode and honestly you guys are crushing it so kudos to making it to 11 episodes and i look forward to kicking it with you guys when you get to 44 (laughs) 55 66 and all that well don't worry you'll be on again right but dalvin thank you so much really appreciate that and he is a man of his word. He does tell us all the time how much he enjoys what we're doing and how well we work together. And we, we very much appreciate that. Absolutely. And, you know, definitely want to give a shout out to everybody part of the team. You know, we, we have a lot of guys, you know, we've been adding people as yeah. since I've joined about a, a little bit over a year ago. And there's so many people to list. I don't want to write off names, but you all know who you are. And, you know, you guys are like my Jets family. So I'm, I'm super yeah. excited and really proud to be part of this. And I only think it's going to go up, especially as the season comes. Uh, just one of the teas, DJ is coming on the show first week of camp, and we'll be linking up with him at the practice on, on 731. So definitely don't want to miss that. Steven, I want to give you some floor here as well. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Dalvin, no, I mean, listen, very kind words, man. Very much appreciated. Yes. I am. Uh, we're excited to do this. Excited to have you on, have all the guests on. It's um, it's fun. It's it's good. It's I'm sure it's going to be therapeutic at some points during the yes, season. And after a big it. win, it's going to be really fun to to be able to get on here and talk about some good stuff. So, you know, you saying that you joined 10 years ago at 2011, that was kind of the beginning of the end for us. So now I think we're all starting to see the tide turn, man. So I hope we can, for you and your sake, we can get to start talking about winning football and a good couple of seasons here strung together. Uh, so that Jets positivity, and that optimism can really show its face. Yeah, so um, thanks very much, man. Really, we uh, we appreciate all that you do, all the whole team does. Um, it's uh, it's a super exciting time here uh, in Jets land, as well as uh, really especially in TOJ. So it's uh, it's been good, man. Yeah. We appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. No, and like I said, you guys are you guys are genuinely good people, and I love to see good people win. So I agree. I, Thank you. I agree with that. Yeah, yeah, that's absolutely. a good sentiment to have. Um, as always, guys, don't forget, subscribe to our YouTube channel, subscribe to the TOJ pod so you can get our show, you can get Will's show, you can get Dalvin's show when it returns in October. Obviously, as we always mention, what's the most important, make sure you check out Badlands, the Zach Wilson two-part docuseries is coming out in a few weeks. 
Obviously, there's the merchandise, which they have as well. And I know Joe and Connor tease a lot of stuff on the show today, if you haven't heard, but they're going to be incorporating a lot of video stuff. It's going to be really fun stuff. And I think that we're only going to take off from here. Um, and don't forget to follow Dalvin on Twitter, D-A underscore Osario. Um, he's the man. He's got a lot of opinions. And I, I always get a good chuckle out of his takes, um, especially when we talk basketball. Because we talk basketball a lot for Jet, for jet fans. We do. <laughs> yeah. 